Hi, and welcome back to Hot Blood. I'm really excited about today's episode. So I was put in touch with Brian Gomez, a Colombian-American Marine who grew up in the South and now works at a big tech company out in Silicon Valley. We talked about what it was like to grow up in the South as a Latin American, but then also what it was like to join the Marines, an entirely new culture on its own. All right, let's do it. Hi. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I love how we're starting out. All right. Uh, so today I have Brian Gomez, currently serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, and it is a sourcing recruiter. Did I get that? Yes, ma'am, you did. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and your background and all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, thank you for having me. So I'm, I'm Brian. So yeah, I've been in the Marine Corps Reserves for about 13 years now. I came in as a electrical mechanical engineer, which sounds super cool, but it's really not. I joined the Mortuary Affairs Unit. So I basically worked in like a morgue setting for eight years until I transitioned and I was a liaison for a hospital. For about oh, no way. Yeah. So kind of crazy. Yeah. I didn't really go down the typical path because it was just a very small group of us actually got integrated. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so I think that's part of like why I'm the way I am. But that led me down the path of meeting one of my great friends and mentors, Sharif Wabi, who got me involved with the Bellator Recruiting Academy. And that at the time they were partnering on this program called the Sorcerer Development Program. And what that program is designed to do is to bring a variety of people from diverse backgrounds with little to no recruiting experience whatsoever and brings us on site and basically gets us on contract for a year up to two years with the possibility of rolling over to full time. And teaches you how to be the ideal sorcerer. So that's awesome. Yeah. Whenever you say sorcerer, it sounds like sorcerer. Yeah. That's like the Harry Potter nerd in me. I'm like sorcerer. That's awesome. <laughs> You're not the only one. Trust me, You're not the only one. That's really cool. That's an awesome background. Can you tell me a little bit about where you're from as a first gen? So I know you're Colombian American. You grew up in the South. Yeah, the good old South. Yeah. <laughs> so I I was actually, I was born in Miami, Florida, and I stayed there for about two years. My dad was in the army at the time. And so we moved to Germany for a couple of years. There, we ended up settling down in Georgia, about, I would say, 20, 30 minutes south of Atlanta, this area called Ellen. So that's where I really call home. I mean, I even wearing a, a Georgia. Yeah, I see that. You know? So definitely represented here in San, in San Francisco. Yeah, so growing up as a first gen in the South was a little bit different, right? I, I, I enjoyed it. And other times it was kind of like rough, right? One of my biggest memories was that I was coloring one day and it was like, I guess I was calling my family or something, but my godmother asked, oh, who's this? And I said, it was, it's me. And she's like, well, the skin color's too light. And I'm like, no, yeah. I'm, I'm peach. I'm peach colored. That's you so know? cute. Because that's what I saw. You yeah. know, I, I didn't see anything else or anybody else that, you know, had my skin complexion or like my dark black hair or anything like that. In elementary school, the only other Colombian there was my sister. The only other Hispanic at that entire school was my sister. Oh, my you know, God. Either black or you're white. That's it. Yeah. You know, so it was very different. So like when it came to, I guess, how my family operated there, typically it was like there's a lot of memes out there and there's a lot of like jokes about like, you know, Hispanics grabbing their kids and be like, when we get home, yeah, you're going to get hit. But when we're in public, you're not. So true. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Because I, they would 
they would light my butt up when I got home, but not yeah, in yeah. public and stuff because they didn't. That's know not it. just a Hispanic thing. It, 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 can't, it can't be. It yeah. can't. Be, you know what I mean? Yeah, my mom had a look. It was just a look at the supermarket that was like, I swear to God, it's just so. It's so true. <laughs> Got to be across the board of of different cultures and things like that. So yeah, I guess in school it was a little bit different. You know, I mean the South is is a funny thing. I, I love the South. They are behind them times on a lot of things, but it depends, right? You go to little towns and cities further away from Atlanta, it's gonna be a little bit more, you know, older thinking and things like that. But that goes both ways as well. A lot of people think racism is just like, oh, it's just, you know, white racism. No, I've experienced both white and black racism, even like Hispanic racism. So I yeah. definitely felt that as well. And I experienced that a little bit more in high school and even a little bit in the Marine Corps with other Hispanics, which was really- Hispanic racism. Yeah, yeah. And I have no idea why, but for some reason, at least in the Marine Corps, other Hispanics would size up other Hispanic Marines in there too. So like always get into arguments or like some confrontational situations with like some Mexican Marines or- Uh, Marines from Venezuela or something like that. Okay. You know, like rarely the Colombian Marines because like we're like, oh, another Colombian. Typically with the Colombian, other Colombian Marines, uh, we would mesh really, really well. A little difficult for me to kind of relate with them because like they were like straight from Colombia. You know, okay. their Spanish was on point. You know, they grew up there or they, you know, they moved when they were like 10, 15, you know, whatever. So it was a little bit more difficult on my side. So I had to put a little bit of effort, which I love to, you know what I mean? It's a different culture, right? And so like I get some of the jokes and, and some of the humor and things like that. So yeah, yeah, it's really weird. I, I never. I mean, that's, um, I mean, in, in the Arab world, there's a lot of culture on culture racism. There's a saying, I'm going to try to translate it. Can't even say it right in Arabic. I just know what it means. But basically, it's like me and my brother, me versus my brother, and my my brothers and I. Okay, I'm totally messing this up. I can just see every Arab rolling their eyes right now. <laughs> like, shut up, Shereen. The the my what? My cousin and my uh, family against the world. Okay, I messed it up. But basically, <laughs> basically, like you can fight within the family, but then you go outside and it's your family against the world, right? So yeah. I feel like that's what it is within cultures after I've completely destroyed that metaphor. In the Arab world, the Middle East, every country has their f- on the other country, right? Whether it's like the dialect or the culture or like whatever. But then when you talk to an Arab versus anyone else in the world, they're like the Middle East and they're like really proud. Yeah. But we, yeah. yeah, like for example, Egypt, we have the most slangy, Arabic. We change a lot of the letters. So a lot of other Arab countries will look at Egypt like, oh, well, you guys are like slangy version, kind of being teased for our Arabic, you know, with other Arabs or they'll say, oh, you guys pronounce this weird or you pronounce this. And so we'll have to like kind of tether up in that way. But then if you go to the world, the Middle East likes together. So that's what I was curious if it was like the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the Marine Corps, yes. So we will rag on each other. What I really loved about the Marines is it doesn't matter if you're black, white, red, yellow, green, whatever the hell you are. We'll rag rag on each other, like our cultural differences, but we mean it in a good way. And the thing is, if you're not ragging on each other, then you're not liked. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Okay. It's like a bonding mechanism. Yeah. You're not part of the crew. And I've seen, I've seen some people like that where like nobody would involve that person because of. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, but we will rag on each other. And I mean, you'll see a lot of fists within the Marine Corps and stuff like that. But when it comes to us against like the Army or the Navy or something, I mean, every Marine like unites. 
Like yeah. immediately, like just one, one, you know, we're operating unit. Yeah. unit, you know? Yeah. So definitely. So it's funny that you guys do that because like, we do that as well. We will talk shit to each other and where it gets pretty dicey. But I mean, we all know that it's never anything negative. We're not like trying to break somebody down, you know? Yeah, it's not a we're, personal, like, yeah. We love each other. And do some people go overboard sometimes? Yeah. But yeah. for the most part, I've never seen anybody really get offended or anything like that. You know, so, thick skin, so. Yeah, which I want to get into, by the way. I'm curious about how you grew up in the South as a Colombian American and that shift to the Marines and that culture of like belonging and understanding your identity. Yeah, so I guess growing up, I kind of did feel like I was out, an outcast, like I didn't belong. So like, I think that's why I mimicked a lot more of being a peach colored kid, you yeah. know? Uh, I guess wanting to eat, I don't know, so stereotypical, but like hamburgers and french fries and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, I got a little bit of slack growing up. Typically everyone away from from any other country thinks that you're Mexican, right? Anywhere yeah. in the U.S., like, you're automatically Mexican. Just, it's, I don't know People why. People always thought I was Hispanic when I was growing yeah. up. There's so much, like, mixed. We have, like, the same skin tone. Yep. But I, I call it dulce de leche. Like, you... <laughs> I, I give it, like, a nicer name. But, like, yeah, so I used to, people used to walk up to my mom and I in the mall and always talk to us in Spanish, and we were like, we're a little bit further. <laughs> to the other side. Uh, yeah. I, I've been uh, asked if I was Filipino once. I'm like, what? But I guess Filipino people and Spanish people are, are pretty similar. Which, fun fact, I didn't know this, but people in the Philippines have last names that are like Gonzalez. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know? Like, basically, did I feel any pressure growing up? Um, like within my family, well, not really within my family. My family really wanted me to like embrace the Colombian identity, right? but it was really hard. It was just difficult. You know what I mean? I don't think I really, I wouldn't say accepted it, but I didn't really care to have that Colombian stigma with me. My sister was all about it. I was like, yeah, whatever. You yeah. know, like, I want to go play football and I want to drive trucks. Like, I don't want to go play soccer or, you know, eat arepas, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I love them, you know, but yeah. like. Yeah, so yeah, it was a little bit different. I remember in middle school and high school, I remember being, I guess, I wouldn't say jealous, maybe maybe jealous, maybe envious, I don't know, of like my friends that had the straight hair or whatever. Like I had Spanish hair, you know, yeah. so I couldn't, I, I used to dye my hair blonde. Why the hell would I dye my hair blonde? Yeah, yeah. You know, but like I always wanted to fit in with all yeah. my friends, I remember that, like, damn, that, that girl doesn't like me because I'm darker and my family speaks Spanish and shit, yeah. like, you know? So I, I, I ran through that and I did run through a little bit of weirdness in some smaller towns in Georgia. You could feel the tension in the room where I'm like, oh shit, let me get out of here. You know? yeah. Did you ever get anybody coming at you with anything? I don't think I ever did. Maybe, maybe a little bit. Never bothered me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I heard the typical, like, oh, you taco eating, bean burrito, whatever. Yeah. You know, like, typical dumb shit. I, I remember, and I don't know if it was like a term of endearment or whatever, but like when that 70s show got huge and it was like popular, I guess at that moment in time, I looked like Fez. You know what I mean? Yeah. So a lot of people would call me Fez. And like, I laughed it off. I'm like, whatever. I don't He's a good looking dude. So, okay, cool. Hell yeah. You know? And so I dressed up for him for one of our like school days where we dress up and shit like that and just played around with him, you know? Yeah. 
So, yeah, I, I mean, but I mean, other than that, I, I have thick skin. So, like, a lot of that stuff didn't really bother me. I'm interested in understanding that concept because there's a lot of people that don't have thick skin. When someone says something to them, it does get to them, you know? So I know that growing up, I did not have the thickest skin, but I have always used humor to deflect, right? So, you know, I remember once, well, not once, but I remember school, a lot of the times, like I was like the, where I was always hooking people up together, even though I would have the crush on the guy. And it was like, oh, Shireen, you're so funny. And I was like, yeah. I love it. I was be sad. I was like, oh, I felt like I was watching a like one of those like sad romantic comedies. <laughs> I <laughs> was that chick. I was like the chubby, the chubby one with the frizzy hair that was like, and all the guys were like, "Thanks, Shereen, we're hooking us up with the girl." I'm like, "I got you." <laughs> You're welcome. As they walk away, I love you. Yeah, that was that was so that was high school for a lot of it. But so like I didn't have the thickest skin, but I did find my mechanism to feel good about myself when I was in school, which was to just be sarcastic or whatever, which I still do until now. Like I'm very sarcastic and it is how I process things. But I'm interested in what would go through your head when someone would say something to you. Like, would you know that you're better than what they're saying? Or how did you process that? Yeah, that's a really good question. My dad was very stern, very, I want to say cold. He was just like, don't be naive. Don't trust anybody. It was just kind of crazy. Family first. I think I got a little bit from him because nothing ever bothered him, right? Um, but I think I got a lot of that from, from the Marine Corps. I think like dove into that environment where everyone's treated like shit. Yeah. <laughs> they repeatedly say, have thick skin, have thick skin, have thick skin. And so when you put something like that in your mind for so long, you just embrace it. You know? yeah. So tell me about joining the military. What inspired you to do it? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. Uh, so I was leaving, it was 2006. And I, I want to say it was like, maybe October 2006. I was leaving high school. I saw two Marine Corps recruiters, right? The only thing I knew about the Marines was it was hard. So in my mind, I'm like, well, shit, I can just fall back, join the army. My dad did it. It is hard, but it's not super difficult. As I was leaving, I grabbed a pamphlet and what drew me to the table was the clothes that they were wearing looked like they just picked it up from the laundromat, like trapped and starched permanently. Right. No wrinkle in sight. I'm like, damn, that's kind of kind of crazy. All right. Yeah. So as I grabbed a pamphlet, he walked over to me and he goes, hey, man. And I'm I, I'm telling you, this is the cut honest truth. He goes, hey, man, do you work out? You go to the gym? And I'm uh, yeah, I do. You know, like trying to, you know, I was tiny. And we just kind of start chit chatting. And he was like, within like 15 minutes, he's like, uh, hey, how about tomorrow? I'll pick you up. And then uh, we'll go to the gym and like, we can just work out and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, cool. no yeah. So the next day he picked me up from high school. We went to a gym at Fort Gillum. So the on-base gym. We were working out, you know, just talking, just talking whatever. Like nothing, and nothing military related. And then out of nowhere, he's like, so um, you ever thought about joining the Marines? And I'm like, no, not really. He's like, do you want to? And I'm like, yeah, all right. That sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> That was it. I shit you not. That was that it. the easiest sale ever. Oh, it, was, it was so easy. I, I look back on it. I'm like, wow, dude, it gets it gets better. So he's like, all right, cool, man. So I'll come see you at your house tomorrow and meet your folks. Is that cool? I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I went home and I walked in. My mom's like starting to cook dinner. I was like, hey, mom, by the way, two Marine Corps recruiters are going to come by to chat about me joining the Marines. And she started freaking out. Like, 
Go to the store and get some get get some Coca Cola and some pound cake. For you cannot have anyone in the house without cake. Yep. And so they came over. They're pretty. They're pretty crafty. I mean, like obviously the the Spanish guy is going to come over to connect with the Spanish. Of course. Yeah. But my mom was like, "Do you want to do this?" My dad's like, "Do you want to do this?" I'm like, "Hell yeah!" Yeah. And I want to sign today. You know, and my dad was like, "All right." And he signed his name. My mother started crying. She signed her name. I signed my name. The quickest, I'm telling you, the easiest contract they ever got was me. The guy probably got a promotion just because of you. <laughs> yeah, probably. I was oblivious. And my dad sat down with me later on. He's like, you know that they're going to like, they are going to hit you. you. You do realize that, right? I'm like, yeah, okay. He's like, nah. He's like, the only thing you need to do is don't be first. And don't be last. Just stay in the middle. Stay with general population. Okay. Yeah, just because yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't, just don't be first. Don't be last. So be, wait, why? What's what's wrong with being first or last? Because if you're last, they're gonna tear you up because you're not you're you're slow. And if okay. you're first, you have extra time because you left your team, and they're gonna tear you up there. Oh, but really? Middle population. You're with the majority of the group, so they they don't have time. To like get get on everybody, it's oh. it's all a mind game. It is all a mind game, and sure as shit, I saw it with my own eyes because I I try to be in the middle. I try not to be last, and I I definitely didn't want to be first. And like I didn't really want to volunteer for things because I saw them like get smoked and like just oh, yeah, it was just god awful. Where I'm like, oh man, what did I do? You know, but yeah, it was the easiest sell. I, I I joined just like that. I never even went and talked to the the army recruiters, the navy recruiters. I was just sold. I was sold on the uniforms. I was sold on like he's like, yeah, man. If you want presentation. Go. Yeah, it really was present yeah. presentation. I totally get it when they want us to look in shape. They want us to have like the best uniforms, fresh haircuts, all that stuff. Because that goes a long way. You yeah, a hundred percent. Looking at Absolutely. it now, when it comes to military people, I'm looking at everything that they're wearing, how yeah. it's looking. Is it is dirty? Is it not? Is it pressed? Is their haircut on point? Do they shave? You know, like all of these things. And like, that's awesome. Yeah. You know what this reminds me of, but it's totally off subject. We'll get back to it. But, yeah. you know, the stereotype of the Middle East is kind of like, you know, Bedouins, poor people, it's like a lot of like pollution. I don't know. Like you always just see this kind of like more sad story than what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I moved to Dubai for a little bit. And I remember when I, when I got there, the thing that blew me away was it's called a like a galabay or thob, it's the Arabs wear. You always see like sheikhs wear it. Like they were, theirs looks like exactly what you said. Like it just came out from, it was starched so perfectly there was not a wrinkle there was not a mark it was sewn by like an angel in the mountain for them <laughs> on the spot and then, then it just like fluttered on over their head right yep. and then they would wrap the you know the head wrap and they smell so good i'm not kidding they smell like if they walk by you in the uae there's like a waft of this like insane incense that just like encompasses you and it's I think that's what sells most people, honestly. Forget the buildings, forget like all the wow. But when you go there, it's like the presentation of like the local people is so pristine yeah. that like that's a representation of like what to expect living there, right? So I always remember that because that was what blew my husband and I away when we got there. So here I asked him if the Marines is where he felt a sense of belonging, but the audio cut. Okay, let's jump back in. 
I think I, yeah, I think I did feel the most feeling of belonging when I did join the Marines, right? Because we yeah. were all there, not only, we weren't there for ourselves, right? We're there for the common good. And that's what they teach you is like, when you're in a fighting hole, which is a fighting hole, we call it foxholes, but like, it's like a, a two-man pit that you dig. And I think it's like, what, like, I forget the dimensions, but you, you dig with these shitty little shovels up until like it's on your like, shoulder high. So you're in there, right? Oh, and wow. With two guys and you're, one guy's covering the left lateral limits and one guy's covering the right. And so you're protecting each other. So my focus is this side and my buddy's focus is this side. So I'm trying to focus on this area and I have to have the trust and confidence that this guy is going to focus this area to keep me alive because mm-hmm. I'm trying to keep him alive. And that's a big thing of what they tried to incorporate in us. It doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, how you grew, uh, grew up, like rich, poor doesn't fucking matter. Like you yeah. are all operating as one unit and you have to take care of each other because that's the only way that you're going to survive in combat. You know, and it's really cool, that mindset. And I think that's what I loved about it was it didn't matter my upbringing and it didn't matter about that guy's upbringing or that guy's upbringing. You know, like I didn't, yeah. I didn't judge anybody, you know, because we're all wearing the same uniforms. We all have our head shaved. We all like, we're all look alike and doing the same thing that we're, yeah. we're the same, you know, as you get out, <laughs> get out to the operating forces and you, you know, have your own identity. But when you're doing Marine Corps stuff, you're, you're, you're operating. You're like doing the Marine Corps way. You know what I mean? That's awesome. I kind of wish the rest of the country was kind of functioning with that belief too. system right now. Me too, man. <laughs> I think it's, you know, it, life would be more happier, I yeah. guess. You know, yeah. it wouldn't be so chaotic right now, but you know. Well, because there's like no room for conversation if you're so angry. And yeah. I think that, like, I think an extreme in anything is just wrong. Like, that, you know, everything in moderation, anything extreme, whether, you know, right, left, up, down, whatever. It's always, it's always a mess if you go to an extreme. But I think that that's the problem is, like, there's no room for conversation if you're always so upset. Yeah. You're not able to hear what I'm saying because you're already offended. But, like, you know, offense comes with, in- with intention. I met a lot of really good people that think completely different from me. And that's okay. And if you get away from the United States and experience different parts of the world, it's even more different. Like, yeah. I'm not fortunate enough to travel to all these countries and experience all these cultures and experience all these personalities and traits and, and, and learn these uh, skill sets and just and be able, be afforded the opportunity to experience these unique environments. And I mean, some ways, somehow, it, it helped me get to where I am now, you know? Yeah. I kind of believe in that. I'm just like, damn, you know, where I'm able to like move around and and able to connect with anybody, you know, everybody, you know, whether you're young, old, black, white, you know, Arab, Colombian, you know, whatever, I can find a commonality and just start chit-chatting. Yeah, definitely. And go. And that's part, that's exactly what I was hoping would happen with this podcast that, that like most people are so angry and so scared and so all of the adjectives that you can think of that causes people to kind of like put these walls up or to think that they're alone or to feel like they're alone a lot of people don't talk about what they you know how they grew up they don't talk about their culture and that's the thing is I noticed so much commonality between these cultures even though and at the end of the day we're American the way I always described it is that I when I left the house I was American but then when I walked into the house I felt like I walked into Cairo right 
yeah. that like you just like you walk into kind of like your parents country of origin and so when i always visualize it as like, like a one of those uh, those commercials or like you just see a neighborhood and everyone's walking into their house and it's just like different cultures right because that's how i always see like, as america like, they're all american in the streets together but when we go home most of us celebrate where you know a lot of us go home and speak a different language or eat different food you know i've met a lot of people they're like hey man believe in what you want to believe and do what you want to do I, I don't care i mean like i still like you because you're a good human being and like yeah. i love I love, I love, I love that because that's, like I could care less about whatever as long as you're a good human being. I could give a shit less, like whatever. Amen. You know. Uh, so I have to ask you something before I forget. Yeah. Because I have spoken to everybody about food, and it <laughs> <laughs> seems to be like the number one thing everyone always remembers. So what? And so because of it. I'm now trying to learn these dishes from the different cultures to try to, because, you know, food is culture, right? And it's like, yeah. you know, it's our, it's our family and it's our home and it's our memories and stuff. So what dish would I have to try and potentially learn from Colombia that you love or like you grew up with or it represents something to you? Um, bandeja paisa. Wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh it is amazing. It's so much food. It's a huge plate, huge plate. And they have rice and like a fried egg and like some steak and some like chicharrones. And wait, what's chicharrones? I don't... <laughs> oh, chicharrones is like, oh man, like this bacon type meat. So it's like a thicker bacon i can't remember exactly what it is but it's super good and super crispy it's probably really bad for you but it's super good and okay. then um and arepa arepas are this they're amazing i grew up eating this all the time when my grandma would make it and it's like this it reminds me of like grits but like a hard like grit patty you know what i mean super okay. Yeah, it's like it's like cornmeal, but like a different type of cornmeal of how they make it. It's so freaking good! Oh my god! It to oh me, I can eat it. I can eat so many of them and get sick. But like yes, and then I think the bandeja paisa comes with um, empanadas as well. And empanadas is like a little. So I guess I would say it's like a little side dish, but they're like these little like chicken potato filled. Yeah, yeah. that's like a filled pastry. That's yeah. so funny because in the Arab world we have they're called sambusak, and it's also it's like the same idea. It's just different stuff you just fill it with, right? Yeah. And then so ours is usually spinach or cheese or meat, ground beef or whatever. And then you have like India and like Pakistan and stuff it's like samosa. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, and then if you go to Asia, they also fill stuff. It's like a little shrimp filled uh, pastries and stuff. Yeah. So it's just funny. No matter where you go, we have to fill our pastries with stuff. Fill something, yeah. You and have little... I've noticed that different countries have like, and but each area is different. I mean, I'm biased. I love the Colombian ones. So good. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to learn that. I remember when we were talking on the phone before we did this, that we were joking about how different it was growing up that our families had to have rice every single day for dinner. Yep. And I remember that that's like a, that's something that I know a lot of people, it was like, it's like foreign to them that like every day you have rice with something, you know? Every and day? it's yeah. So it's pretty cool. That's the thing, as I I'm loving learning. I'm loving learning. I'm loving 
that makes sense. I'm loving. I don't know where this like lack of. I'm loving learning. <laughs> I'm loving learning <laughs> the uh, the food culture that's coming with this podcast, which I did not expect. But hence my love for food. It just like got involved. So wait, what's it called again? Bandeja Paisa. So I'm gonna have you text it to me when we finish because I don't, I'm gonna end up butchering it. Uh, but that's awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. It was yeah, super absolutely. fun. Absolutely. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. And I hope that people that are listening, you know, maybe someone that doesn't have such thick skin or maybe they, they don't feel like they belong when, you know, you make it sound really easy. So hopefully that, that, that'll help somebody. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, like, at the end of the day, we there's you can't buy time back. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the only thing that we can never buy or get more of. Because, I mean, again, like, my, a little bit in the Marine Corps, I was always angry, you know, like the typical Marine, just yelling and being angry. And, like, just one day I woke up and I'm like, why do I want to be angry? And, like, why do I want to waste my life, like, being angry and stuff? And I think, like, it's just a mindset, you know, yeah. that's, that we can't buy back. So, like, why do I want to argue with somebody when I can spend that time and, like, go and, and do something fun or exciting or or be around like somebody that's gonna have fun instead of just going out and just like wanting to argue with someone, you know. Whatever, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was this was awesome. I can't wait to I can't wait for people to hear this. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. Awesome. I really enjoyed talking with Brian. I hope you could sense how colorful his personality is just from that Skype call. There was a line that he said about not wanting to be angry anymore that I really liked. Because you can see, this guy's bursting at the seams with energy and positivity. And it's really, really easy to fall into negativity. But what's the point? Why carry anger with you all the time and miss out on the opportunity to welcome some good into your life? It's like that saying, did you have a bad day or did you have a bad 10 minutes in the morning that you carried for the rest of the day? I'll leave it at that. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to follow Hot Blood on Instagram. Until next time on Hot Blood.